going to conclude today our summer series as it is officially, they, they claim the end of the summer. I know we have a couple more weeks officially, but uh, it's back to work. And uh, so we are going to wrap up the last uh, couple verses of Matthew chapter 5, our text for this particular beatitude is the longest one that we've had um, in the whole series. It'll be verses 10, 11, and 12 of Matthew chapter 5, um, entitled Be Strong and the Importance for You and I in Today's World to be, to be Faithful, to Be Brave, but most importantly, to Be Strong. Before we go any further, let's bow our heads and ask for God to bless our time uh, this morning together. Father, it says in your word that you are the only God, that there is no one else other than you. Father, as we have had the privilege of listening to testimonies of some of your children, we thank you, Lord, that you are patient, that you are gracious, that you are kind, that you are loving for every person that is here today. Lord, for every person that has acknowledged you as Savior, that has surrendered their life to you to be Lord, we thank you, Lord, that you are everything and more that you claim to be. And Father, as we have lifted up our voices to just praise you for your goodness and your grace, I would ask, Lord, now that as we look into your word, that you would have our hearts prepared and ready to hear a word from you and from you alone. God, my, my wishes, my desire is, is not for me to say anything that you would not say yourself. And so, Lord, I ask that, that you would guard my, my mouth, that you would guide my tongue to speak words that bring glory to the name of Jesus Christ and that each one of us would understand what, what is what entails in these next few moments together. Father, we live in a busy world. We live in a fast world. We live in a loud world. And Lord, it, it seems to be few and far between that we get a moment to quiet our hearts, to enjoy fellowship with one another, to be refreshed and encouraged, and to hear a word from you. And so, God, I would ask that that's exactly what you have for us this morning. Father, I would ask, Lord, that you would be especially with brothers and sisters in Christ. They're spread throughout this, this whole world. Many, Lord, that do not have the privilege and the freedoms that we have to meet like this. They huddle together in small groups, hidden. And Father, we thank you, Lord, that you protect. And God, I would ask that you would give strength and resilience. We know, Lord, that your kingdom will continue to be established and grow, that nothing will stop the gospel of Jesus Christ from moving forward. And we rejoice in that. We rejoice, Lord, that we have a tiny little part. Help us to be faithful with the part that you've, you've given to us. Guide us now. Direct us now. We ask this in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And amen. I recall it actually quite clear. It was one of those family meetings, you know, when there's something urgent that's happening in your home and you kind of watch your mom and dad and they're whispering 
They're talking. Something's going on. They're not exactly sure. They called all four of us kids. I was seven years old at the time into the living room. They sat us down on this really 70s-like plush orange couch. They said, we have an announcement for you. We're going to be moving. You are going to become missionary kids, and mom and dad are going to be missionaries. Now, remember the thrill of that, the excitement of that as a seven-year-old kid. My mom and dad announced to all four of us that we were going to be moving north. We were going to be leaving uh, suburban Philadelphia, Holly Drive. And we would be moving to Canada, a land of, of snow and ice and dog sleds and Eskimos. And we were going to have a steady diet of seal fat every single day for the rest of our lives. I remember the level of excitement. It kind of holds true. As we told our friends at school and we had to sell our house and drain our pool. And the, the, the excitement is we pack up all of our furniture and our, our clothes and our toys and, and we head out. We drive north. It took for us forever to get there, it seemed. And, and eventually we got there. We unpacked our stuff and, and school was starting. And, and I remember the day very clearly. We got off the bus for the first day of school at Middle Muscadabit Central Elementary School. We couldn't even say it properly. My dad called it middle mosquito bites because there were mosquitoes everywhere. We got off bus number 237 at the front of the school and we were met by two really, really mean kind of bully kids. Michael Singer, he had long, dark, greasy, stringy hair. He looked like the scary guy from the Patriot. Remember him? That was Michael Singer. And then there was Pat Pickles, big clump of red hair and freckles all over his face. And they were so mean to us. I remember literally, there were three of us in school. My little sister had to stay home. She wasn't old enough yet. And I literally, they, they chased us around the whole playground. And they took that little pea gravel, that little pea stone gravel, and they threw it at us because we were different than they were. We dressed different. We wore which is kind of odd. We wore shiny black shoes back then. And we had short hair and they didn't. And we talked a little bit differently than they did. I remember in, 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 in school when they asked, well, what is it that your father does? And someone would say, well, my dad's a carpenter. Or my dad's a, a teacher. Or my dad's a farmer. And I would say, well, my dad's a missionary. And people didn't understand. What is that? And I remember as a kid, Remember, in a sense, what goes through mind, I thought, you know what? I don't like this. I don't like being different than other people. And I have to be perfectly honest. I was ashamed. Because we were missionaries. And because I was considered different than the rest. Because we were, and here's the word, we were Christians. They weren't. Today we address this subject that in varying levels we have touched, we have heard, we've read about. We're going to address the subject according to the truth of God's word of persecution. It means being pressed, 
for your faith. It means being pushed or suppressed. It means suffering. Officially, the dictionary definition of the word persecute. Listen to this. Excuse me. Persecute is defined as to harass, to harass or punish in a manner designed to injure or grieve or afflict, specifically to cause to suffer because of a belief, to annoy with persistence or urgence approaches. Now you say, wait a minute, wait a minute, we live in a, we live in America. It's 2013. Sure, there are plenty of people who annoy us, but no one's really in danger around here. This is what? This is the land of the free and the home of the brave. Freedoms abound everywhere. To that, I would say this. First of all, remember this. You need to be grateful for that. You need to be thankful for that. Be appreciative of what you and I have. Carefully. Carefully consider our past of what we've enjoyed, but prayerfully contemplate our future. And as you pray, I want you to remember literally millions of Christians, your brothers and sisters, my brothers and sisters who do not have the freedoms that we have. Here's our text. Here it is. It's the longest one of all the Beatitudes, Matthew chapter 5. We begin in verse 10. Blessed. Happy, spiritually satisfied, spiritually content. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Blessed. Blessed. If you recall, the word means happy. It's actually repeated twice here, the beginning of verse 10 and the beginning of verse 11. It says blessed. It says blessed. It says in verse 12, rejoice. It says also in verse 12, Be glad, happy, rejoice, be glad. Big picture, step back. Guess what? Something good is happening here according to what Jesus Christ is teaching. Think about that. Persecution, people reviling you, saying all manner of nasty things against you. Something good. It's happening. Now, first glance, you look at this and you think the persecution of Christians from whether or not it be the first century or the 21st century does not seem logical if you line up this beatitude in light of the previous seven beatitudes. Think about this for a moment. Why would anyone ever want to persecute someone who is poor in spirit? Why would, why would they want that? Why would anyone be bothered by people who mourn over their own sins? I don't know about you, but these don't seem like the rebel rouser, the troublemaker type. The meek, the merciful, the pure in heart, those that are peacemaking, 
These individuals that we are called to be hungering and thirsting after righteousness. I don't know about you, but generally that does not seem like the annoying, power hungry, puffed up, pompous people that would have rocks thrown at them. So what it doesn't add up. People with these types of shining characteristics should not be beaten into the grounds. To me, beatitude people, kingdom people, ought to be applauded, not not booed. They ought to be awarded, not beat into the ground. And so we begin to ask the question, is this really happening? Do good people actually get persecuted? Here's the answer. You better believe it. You better believe it. It happens all over the place. Be assured of this. Whenever one aligns their life, okay, lives according to the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and speaks of that, that's who we are. We are never to be silent over our faith. Nowhere in Scripture do we see that. When we speak and live according to the gospel of Jesus Christ, let me tell you this, it will irritate other people. You will bother and you will bug other people. They will be upset by your presence. You will offend them. We go back in church history. Do you realize that of the disciples, the 11 disciples who remained after Judas' defection, okay, 10 of them, at least 10, Perhaps Matthias as well, who took Judas's place, all died vicious and violent deaths. The only one who probably did not is John. And John was the apostle, if you recall, that they actually submerged in boiling oil, but he did not die. They took him out, probably scarred horribly, and they sent him, what, in exile to die in prison on the Isle of Patmos after, after he wrote the book of Revelation. Here's, here's what happened According to what we can understand from from historical record, James, here's the Apostle James, we know that from the book of Acts, was killed with a sword. Peter was crucified. Um, They believe it may have been upside down. Andrew was hung. Thomas was thrust through with pine spears. He was tormented with red-hot plates of iron, and then he was burned alive. Philip was tortured, and then he was crucified. Matthew was beheaded. Bartholomew was whipped and then he was crucified. James the last, the son of Alphaeus, was thrown down from the temple, then beat to death with a fuller's club to the head. Simon the zealot was crucified. Judas Thaddeus was beaten to death by sticks. And what they believe happened to Matthias, who replaced Judas, he was stoned to death while he was actually hanging on a cross. I don't know about you, but I'm thinking, these guys... They, they actually cared for, loved for, and, 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 and spoke truth to other people. And yet they suffered. Early Christians suffered in virtually every area of their lives. You realize what it had been like for the man or the woman who refused, what, under the Roman Empire to bow before Caesar and acknowledge him as a god? A believer cannot bow before and acknowledge someone else as a God because we prayed, what, there's only one God. Isaiah 45 makes it very, very clear. There's only one. What would happen to that man or woman? What would happen to the, to the, to the tailor 
who refused to sew the garments for a pagan high priest. He said, no, I will not do that. What, what do you think happens to that guy? What happens to the stone cutter that says, I will not work on this temple that is going to be dedicated to some false god or a pagan gods? I will not do that. What do you think happened to those people? Decisions regularly were made by devoted Christians who basically signed their own death warrants. So that's why when we come to this eighth beatitude, Jesus predicted people who are beatitude people will be persecuted. It does not say, blessed are you if you are persecuted. It says, blessed of you who are. And so as we get this thing going this morning, I want you to understand this. Just like our history tells us, expect it. Jesus Christ actually uses this phrase in Matthew chapter 10. I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. That's not a very pretty picture. If you've ever seen the, um, the animal channel planet, and you watch what a wolf does or a pack of wolves do to a little lamb. It's not pretty. Jesus says, I'm sending you out as one of those lambs. Jesus Christ says in Matthew chapter 10 and Mark chapter 13, the exact same phrase is used. You will be hated by all for my name's sake. Jesus Christ also said in John chapter 15, if the world hates you, know this, it hated me before it hated you. What we understand is this. It is important to know and be sure that our suffering, our persecution is not due to anything that we do in and of ourselves apart from God's word. That our suffering or persecution that we perhaps may endure or that others are enduring is not because of our own foolishness. It's not because of our own disobedience, our ignorance, or should I even say our own stupidity. Jesus says, blessed are those who are persecuted for what? For righteousness' sake. Righteous, right living. You know, it's, it's sad, and, and I would say it's even twisted when we hear and we read of these, what I would call religious, right-wing, fanatical freaks who seem to glory and love persecution. They look for it and they glory in it. Loud-mouthed, lapel-grabbing, bad manners, bad approach, bad doctrine. Ones I talk to have bad breath for some reason. I don't understand. I want to reject them. I want to look for a match. And yet I'm a Christian. We see on television these signs these people are holding... God hates homosexuals. God, praise God for 9-11. Praise God for IEDs, improvised explosive devices. That, that totally has nothing to do with what we're talking about. That is totally wrong. What is being taught here, Matthew chapter 5, is simply the fact of this. If a person, you or I live as a committed and devoted follower of Jesus Christ, and we seek to live our lives unashamed and unabashed for the gospel of Jesus Christ, you will never, ever, ever have to go looking for or manufacture persecution. 
Jesus says, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, not self-righteousness, like we see in that freak zone. If there's anyone who lived in complete submission to his father, his heavenly father, if there's anyone who displayed mercy and goodness and purity, absolute perfection, Jesus did. Biblical record tells us, but also historical record tells us that they actually began to plot and plan to get rid of Jesus after he performed his very first miracle. They were scheming for ways to get rid of him. Don't, you don't have to ever worry about looking for it. It will find you. That's why in the Beatitudes, Jesus is telling, he's teaching his listeners, prepare. Don't be stressed by this. Don't lose sleep over this. Don't be shocked or scared. Be strong. The Apostle Paul says it like this in Philippians chapter 3, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and that I may share in his sufferings. Remember as well the words of the Apostle Peter, who tradition suggests, as I told you, is crucified, perhaps upside down. He says this in 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 12. Beloved, don't be surprised. This is you and I this morning. Peter says, don't be surprised when it comes upon you. Don't be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you. As though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings. That you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of the glory of God rests upon you. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or as a meddler. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. He says, don't suffer for any other reason other than what? Being one who follows the Lord Jesus Christ. The answer is here. First of all, do good people, do kingdom people that we're striving to be, do beatitude people really get persecuted? Yes. And you'll hear that and say, yeah, but we're not seeing it. Maybe first century Christians, we had Nero, he's a little bit of a crazy guy anyway. Literally, he is lighting Christians on fire, okay, putting them on stakes to light his gardens as he would walk through them at night and sing. He was like completely, we don't have a Nero today, we would say. After all, what the whole Roman Empire kind of took the cruelty thing a little too far. That's then, or even later in history, Spanish Inquisition, Protestant Reformation, that's, that's all long ago. That was then, this is now. What are we, 21st century? We're sophisticated and educated and refined. We stress equality, tolerance, open-mindedness. Everyone has to be sensitive to everyone else. Well, wait a minute. That's not what we see happening across the world. It's not what we see. And you need to be reminded of that. Church historians estimate, according to even this week I read in Decision Magazine, every year more than 100,000 Christians will die for their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Many in North Africa and the Middle East. 
Actually, it estimates that more have died in the last hundred years than of all the previous generations. Much of the persecution takes place in places like we hear in the news, Syria, Iraq, Iran, Egypt, Sudan, China, Russia. So that's over there. What about here? You know, it's not that uncommon that we may, we may hear something about the fact that says, you know what, all I did was write a paper about, about creationism and it seemed like I didn't get a real good grade on that. Men will revile you and say all manner of evil against you. I've heard, I know men who literally have been relieved from their job. They've been fired because they wouldn't, well, they're not going to bend the truth. We're going to live as men and women of integrity. We're not going to lie. We're not going to cheat. And some bosses will say, sorry, I don't want you here. People today in America still suffer, perhaps not to the extent of our brothers and sisters in Christ, but they still suffer. Men will revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you. Why? Because Christians are different. True Christians have different desires. We ought to literally exist with a different purpose, a different motive for living. We are to exist in such a way that we have different standards than the rest of those people in this world who are living apart from Christ. We have different goals. Every day we wake up with a focus on that which is eternal. And we don't get stuck with what the world gets stuck in in the temporal. In a world that loves and thrives on conformity. Difference today, literally difference today. If you are different today, it is looked on as what? It is dangerous. That is why it is not a stretch to hear people who hold to a biblical worldview to be criticized or considered what? Narrow-minded. You are so old-fashioned. You are so bigoted. You are out of touch. You are out of date. You're ignorant. And you're freaks. Can I tell you this and can I encourage you? So be it. Call me what you want to call me. Let, let us come to a place where we either take the word of God's and we believe it as everything that it claims to be. It is completely infallible and it is without error. Either we take it at what it is or not. If we take it at what it is, we accept the Bible for everything that it claims to be. And understand, it's more important to be accepted by God than it is to be accepted by this world. Remember that. Let me encourage you as a church. Let me encourage you as your shepherd. Do not be afraid to speak openly about the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ that begins not only with the message of what there's a holy God but it begins with a message that contradicts the entire direction of the world and says that mankind is innately sinful. We are born into sin. Don't be afraid to say that. 
Don't back away from the truth of what the gospel is. Don't ever be afraid to say that there is a literal heaven that exists, that is reserved for those exclusively who put their faith and their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't be afraid to admit that the Word of God says that there is a literal hell that is reserved for those who reject the plan of salvation that has been offered through the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't ever be afraid to say that. Don't ever be afraid to say, you know what? Everything is not relative in this world. Put your hand up and say, I'm sorry, but I believe in absolute truth. There is a right and there is a wrong. There is good and there is evil. Don't be afraid to say that. Don't be afraid when you go to the Genesis accounts to read it just as it reads and believe it just as it is intended to believe that God in six literal 24-hour days spoke everything into existence out of nothing. Don't be afraid to say that. Evening and morning were the first day. Repeat it six times. Don't be afraid to believe what God's Word says. Don't don't be afraid to, to say that you believe that the Red Sea opened up and that God's people walked through it. Don't be afraid of that. Don't be afraid to admit that there was a universe of floods. Don't be afraid to say that there was a little tiny shepherd boy who killed a giant with a sling and a stone. Don't be afraid to say that Jesus Christ was born absolutely miraculous unique from any other birth in the entire history of all mankind, that he was born of a virgin, that he lived on this earth as God incarnate, absolutely sinless and perfect, and that as he walked and worked, he healed the sick and caused the blind to see and the lame to walk. Don't be afraid to say that you believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross to redeem mankind from sin, was buried and literally, literally three days later rose back to life again and offers life eternal for anyone who puts their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't be afraid to say that. Don't be afraid to tell people that God transforms lives and that you can introduce them to people whose lives have been changed through the Lord Jesus Christ. Do not ever be afraid to stand up and speak about the sacredness of marriage that exists exclusively between one man and one woman. Don't be afraid to acknowledge what the world has a hard time of understanding, that homosexuality is wrong in the sight of God's. That a man and a woman living together outside of marriage, having sexual relationships is wrong outside of marriage. Don't be afraid to say that. Dads, don't be afraid to say, you know what, kids? We're going to turn that show off. Honey, you go back up to their daughters and say, you change your outfit because that's not how we live and walk in this world. Don't be afraid to say that. Don't be afraid to say, we're not going to laugh at what the world laughs at because we are different than the way the world acts. Don't ever for a moment be afraid to speak up about the sanctity of human life that all life begins at conception. And the ending of 
that life is not called what? Freedom of choice. It's called murder. Don't be afraid to say that. That's the way Christians live, are to live in this world. Don't be afraid to believe, to live, to act, to talk, to walk differently, to work differently than those around you. Don't ever be afraid if you bother people who have no morals or have no integrity. Don't be afraid about that. Don't be afraid if you are maligned by nasty words, if people give you dirty looks. Don't you be afraid if people sneer at you or jeer at you or make jokes about you. Rather than saying, oh, oh, no, oh, no, look what's happening to me. Now, what does it say in Scripture? You be thankful that God has called you to suffer for his name's sake. The book of Acts We see the same thing happen over and over again. I I was so humbled by the reaction in Acts chapter 5 of Peter and John when they arrested for preaching the gospel. It says that they were beat, physically beat. Sticks, rods, hands, whips. We don't know. They were just beat. It says very clearly in verses 40 and 41, it says that they were beat. They charged them, don't ever speak in the name of Jesus. And they released them. And I love the response. They rejoiced that they were counted worthy to suffer for the name. For the name. And so we have to have, we have, to have moments like this where we write our thinking and we align ourselves to live according to the truth of the word of God's. Remember this. Remember when you feel the pain of persecution, when you feel the pain of rejection, when you suffer for righteousness sake, here it is. You will be in great company. Remember that. When you suffer for righteousness sake, you will be in great company. Why? Look what it says in verse 12. So persecuted the prophets before you. No doubt the disciples suffered, but long before the disciples suffered, hundreds of years, the prophets took their licks too. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Zechariah. They claimed that Isaiah was put into a log and he was, he was sawn in two. Hebrews 11 speaks. They believe that Zechariah was stoned to death. Since that time, since the disciples, we have our early church fathers. We have reformers who were despised. Tyndale and Huss and Wycliffe not only burned to the stake and buried, but at times they had their bones exhumed, burned again, and then scattered. They were hated so much. Men and women who stand out above The crowds are going to receive what? The persecution that the world has to offer. Understand, understand those that we admire, that we hold up according to to what we see in God's word. Those individuals are the ones that we understand we're in their company because we have been called to suffer for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are in great company. Finally, when you suffer for righteousness sake, remember this, you will have a great reward. Look what it says. It concludes, for your reward is great 
in heaven. Paul says to Timothy, what? You shall reign with Christ. Be different, be ready, be brave, be faithful, be strong. Why? Because your reward is great in heaven. What I thought is interesting here, don't have time, I know we're quickly escaping. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 3, the very first beatitude, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. First one, look at how the last one ends, blessed are those who are persecuted. Why? Because, because they, they will be rewarded with the kingdom of heaven, it says in verse 10. Bookends. First verse, first beatitude, last verse, last beatitude of what we have in store. It is the blessing of all blessings. Living forever in our Lord's kingdom, enjoying His presence. I hear talk today about heaven. Is there going to be my pet there? Is my cat going to be there? Am I going to have my computer? None of that. You will be in God's kingdom. You will be with God. That's all you need to know. That's all we we have. The ultimate fruit of kingdom life is eternal life. And we have that in store. Will you have it? Do you know what's in store? Do you know what awaits Are you prepared to be ones who are truth tellers? Live according to, unashamed, unabashed for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Are you willing to take whatever is coming your way? Knowing that you are in great company and great will be your rewards. Be strong, church. Be strong. Father, I thank you. I thank you, Lord, for moments that you remind us that we have been blessed, that your grace is amazing. But Father, it seems that there's not a lot of persecution almost because perhaps the church is not living much different than the world's. And we confess that. God, give us boldness to speak out. Give us boldness, Lord, to, to follow you. May we trust you and may we keep our eyes on you. May we know that we will be with you. And may that motivate us to be faithful every day. In your name we pray. Amen.